So we're in a series called uh, Spiritual Beacons, Becoming a House of Prayer in the City of Chicago. We're looking in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 55 through 60, in the month of August, and asking God, what's the spiritual heart of our church? How can we grow into God's call for us as a congregation, as God's people? And today we're going to be talking about uh, being a house of changed lives, being a house full of changed lives. So to that end, let's turn to Isaiah. Um, long passage here, uh, Isaiah 56, 9 through 57, 21. So recently, NBC News featured a story of a man named Ken Parker. Maybe some of you saw this. Uh, not long ago, Ken Parker was a totally committed white nationalist. He joined at some point in his life, uh, for, for six years, he was, he was a committed white nationalist. He joined the KKK and discovered that they weren't hateful enough for his tastes. So he joined an American neo-Nazi group uh, to, to advance uh, the cause of white nationalism. And he marched in the Charlottesville rally last year. Remember that rally? Last August, just about a year ago, he marched there and he admitted that his intention was to start a race war. He wanted to start a race war uh, because of all the hate in his heart. Okay, so you remember last August and how tragic that was and how hopeless that was. All right, fast forward to July 20, 21st, 2018. Okay, that was four Sundays ago. On that day, the same man, Ken Parker, was baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit by Pastor William McKinnon III, who leads All Saints Holiness Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Now, Pastor McKinnon happens to be African-American, as is the majority of his congregation. Leading up to that moment, Ken Parker had publicly confessed and renounced his racism and the, and the white supremacy thinking that had invaded his soul to the congregation who, to his surprise, came up to him and forgave him and embraced him. So let's just recap, okay? July 2017, oh, August 2017, Ken Parker is wearing a neo-Nazi uniform with deep-seated hate overflowing out of his soul, all right? That's one picture. July 2018, Ken Parker is wearing a white baptismal robe, being baptized by an African-American pastor who is now his spiritual father, surrounded by a majority African-American congregation who is now his spiritual family. Lord. Amen. It's almost unbelievable without the power of God. Before, white nationalist. After, son of God, united with families and races and peoples that belong to Jesus Christ. Now, how in the world does that happen? What's the secret sauce between before and after? That's the question today. How do we go from before to after? Now, maybe your story isn't as dramatic as Ken Parker, although maybe it is. But maybe it's not as, not as dramatic or acute, but nevertheless, you are in the before frame and you want to get to the after frame. You've got something in your life that you wish could change. Maybe it's something 
as, as clear cut as an addiction. There's something that rules your life. You return to it again and again. You would like to be free from alcohol, from pornography, from cutting, uh, from self-hatred. You would like to be free of a, of a very specific addiction, but maybe it's something deeper than that. Maybe you're, you're carrying emotional pain. You've got family of origin stuff. You haven't worked through it. It keeps repeating itself in all kinds of relationships beyond your family of origin. You would like to get free of that and become mature and holy. Maybe you're just, you're aware that you're young and you want to grow up. You want to embrace adulthood. You want to embrace responsibility. You're not sure how it's going to happen. Maybe it's a virtue you want to take on. Man, you want to be more loving. You want to be more generous. You want to be more, you want to, be, you want to learn how to love your enemies like, uh, like Pastor McKinnon loved his enemy. So what's the secret sauce of getting from before to after? How do you want to change? That's what Jesus would ask you. He'd look you in the eye this morning and he would just say, what do you want? What do you want? How do you want to change? What are you seeking? So let me tell you the shortcut answer, all right? Turn to page 11 in your programs. We're looking at Isaiah 57, 18, or you can turn to Isaiah 57, 18 if you're following along in your Bibles. Now, guys, here's the secret sauce. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I have seen her ways, but I will heal her. This is a declaration of the grace of God. And we understand it now to be the grace of God in Christ. Being seen by God and being healed by God. Being, for there to be loving, gracious exposure from God and for there to be a loving, gracious healing from God in Christ. This is, in short, now, that's it. of course, it's more complicated and every story is different. But we all need to be seen by God and experience that and to be healed by God, just like Ken Parker was. And it's possible for you to be absolutely changed from the inside out. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know like, the exact process, but I know that to some degree, to an important degree, it's going to involve being seen by God and being healed by God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's how lives change. So we might, as we open up this text, you might even go, Lord, here's how I want to change. Would you just help me? Would you help me see what you see? And would you help me be healed by your Holy Spirit through Christ? So let's talk about being seen by God. This is really important. This is not gotcha. But it's really important for us to, to understand how God saw his people Israel. And maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit will put his finger on something along the way. Um, the first thing that God sees is our missed opportunities. This is an important thing for us to know. God sees all the missed opportunities in our life. Um, missed opportunities to love our neighbor. Missed opportunities to give of ourselves. Missed opportunities to stand up to injustice. Missed opportunities to, 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 uh, to love our neighbor. So look at Isaiah 56, verse 9. So this is, I think this would be page 9 if you're following along in your programs. And it's just, there's a series of images that picture Israel as holding back, especially the leaders, holding back from their calling. 56, verse 9, here's, 
Here's the Lord speaking through the prophet. All you beasts of the field come to devour. All you beasts in the forest. Who are these beasts? These are, these are the enemies of the vulnerable. These are those, the, the, the priests that are coming after the children who are totally unprotected. These are the human traffickers. These are the, the loan sharks that come after people who are already going bankrupt. The, the sheep are the vulnerable of society who God loves and cares about. And the wolves are, the, are, are the, the ones with teeth that are like looking for human weakness, looking to exploit it. Evil men, evil women looking to do God's bidding. Um, and, and God's people need protection. You know, they need dogs to bark at the wolves. They, the Lord needs to raise up, in Isaiah's language, watchdogs that are looking. Have you ever seen a dog watching and ready to bark? You know what? The kingdom of God needs some watchdogs that will bark when they see evil. So where are, where are the watchdogs? Verse 10, his watchmen are blind. They are all without knowledge. They are silent dogs. They cannot bark, dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. Now, I grew up with an English Springer Spaniel in our home. And uh, she definitely knew how to bark. But one of the most hilarious things that would happen is that she would fall asleep and she would dream. Have you ever seen this happen? A dreaming dog where they're like, their legs are like this, you know what I mean? And they're kind of, you know, they're like barking in their sleep. And it's, we would like, it was so funny. It's hilarious. But in this text, it's pathetic because God says, you know what? I raised you up to be a leader. I raised you up to bark when you saw evil, but instead you fell asleep and you're dreaming about barking. It's totally pathetic. It's the people who cover up sexual abuse in the church. It's people who take bribes so that they won't enforce the law with people who are taking from the vulnerable. It's the leaders, it's the everyday moments where you see something and you know that you should step up, but you don't, you just think about it. You just dream about it. Not only are they dreaming dogs, they're also drunk shepherds. Shepherds are the ones that they're supposed to take up the rod and the staff and go after the wolves, take the fight to the wolves. And, and not, just, not just warn about the wolves, but actually fight them, stand up to them. So where are the shepherds? Verse 11, the dogs have a mighty appetite. They never have enough, but they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way, each to his own gain, one and all. Come, they say, let me get wine. Let us fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow will be like this day, great beyond measure. Instead of a rod and a staff, the shepherds have two pina coladas, one for each hand, and they're just like having a great time. They're like, it's fine, guys. It's like today's great, tomorrow's great. It's not really wolves. It's like fine, relax. But it's not fine. It's totally pathetic. They're missing their opportunity to put their bodies on the line for the sake of the vulnerable. But what about the good? No, there's, surely there's an Abraham Lincoln rising, right? Surely there, there's a Martin Luther King Jr. Surely there's a Joan of Arc. Where are the great leaders if the watchdogs are asleep and the shepherds are drunk, surely the great leaders will rise up. But the thing is that when society rejects good and great leaders, they get exactly what they ask for. Look at verse 57.1. The, 
The good leaders are on their deathbed, quietly fading from society. The righteous man perishes, and no one lays it to heart. Devout men are, are taken away, while no one understands. For the righteous man is taken away from calamity. He enters into peace. She enters into peace. They rest in their beds who walk in uprightness. It's just an image of, of God going, you know what? I'm gonna take the Dietrich Bonhoeffers of the world home. They've been, they've been rejected. Uh, they've been cast aside. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Joan of Arcs home. These strong men and women who are called to, to they, they actually are leading, but, but society has pushed them aside. And so they're, they're, they're dying out. They're, they're not reproducing themselves. They're not, they're not given a space to lead anymore. And so God removes them. Missed opportunities, missed opportunities to lead and follow, missed opportunities to, to listen to godly leaders. We all got missed opportunities in our life, and God needs to show us these missed opportunities so that we can be healed of them, become a different kind of person. So here's some questions for you and for all of us. Have we ever been like the sleeping guard dogs? We, we've had opportunities. We've seen something that's not right. And we had an opportunity. We, we did have a voice. We had a place at the table to say, you know what? I see something over here. It's a concern. Not, not just social media, but, but like in real life where it really costs us. What about, have we ever been like the drunk shepherd? Like we've, we've had an opportunity from God to fight evil or to stand up to, to evil in some way, but we just, instead, we just used the resources that were given to us to lead, we used it for our own comfort. You know, we got drunk with the money that we were given. We got, we passed up an opportunity to take up the rod and the staff. Or have we ever just like stiff-armed God? Stiff-armed God's leaders, stiff-armed the Holy Spirit and gone, you know what? I don't really need to listen to you right now, maybe later, not really sure. Have we ever done this? Have we ever missed an opportunity to follow a godly leader? What missed opportunities do we have in our life to love our neighbor? It's tough to see it. It's tough to, to hear about it. But this is part of, remember, this is part of change. This is part of before and after change. God sees and lovingly exposes our missed opportunities. The other thing he needs to show us and expose to us, and stick with me, is this is hard. This is probably the hardest part of the sermon right here, is our cycles of death. Our cycle, you know what we get in these cycles? Have you ever been in a cycle of death? Maybe it's just with you. Uh, so it could be like this. You work yourself to death. You, you work yourself into exhaustion because you find lots of meaning at work. But then it leaves you so tired that you're vulnerable to sin, so you lose, use pornography, you use alcohol, you use drugs. And then you feel ashamed, okay? So then there's shame part of the cycle. Then there's the cover-up part of the cycle, where you're like, you want to appear like a good person, so you cover it up, but then that leads you to going back to work, to work hard, to feel like a better person. And it's just like cycles. Have you ever been in a cycle like that? Or maybe with another person, family member, friend, they hurt you with an unkind word, so you distance yourself from them because it hurts. Well, then with the increased distance, you misinterpret everything as a hurtful comment, which then you take a step back further, and it just gets worse, you know? Um, I uh, was out of town last couple days and um, with, with Bishop Stewart and some other um, leaders in our network and um, our Lyft driver, her name was Alice, and she talked about a cycle of death that she was in for a while. It started with the passage of her mom. 
her mom passed away, and it was just like so painful for her. And so to fill the emotional pain, to numb the pain, she started using drugs. Um, and then that created more emotional pain, so she used more drugs and came like, started binging. Um, and then that led to uh, sexual immorality. And well, that le- gives you more emotional pain. So it's just like she was just in this cycle. And then, and then finally, like it, she became suicidal. Thankfully, the Lord disrupted that cycle in her life. But we all have these cycles, and God wants us to see it. He wants, to see the trig- wants us to see the triggers. He wants us to see the cycle. So what was the cycle for his people? You know, it started with pride. It started with just pride. Uh, look, you know, and I'll tell you why they were proud. Because they were um, ethnically God's people. They were born into it, born into privilege, and they just thought they were awesome. They thought that gave them immunity, that they thought they were better than everybody. They thought they were superior. Uh, so verse three of Isaiah 57. But you, he's talking to his people here. Sounds harsh, it's actually loving. You, draw near sons of the sorceress, offspring of the adulterer and the loose woman. Verse four, whom are you mocking? Against whom do you open wide and stick out your tongue? So they're just, it's like the bullies on the schoolyard. They're like, nah, nah, we're better than you. The teacher likes us better than you, and so we can do anything we want. Picture the German soldiers mocking an elderly Jewish couple in uh, World War II era Germany. Uh, picture anyone who's got power and privilege, and it's just, it just they have no empathy left they, because they don't need to. They don't need to be nice to anybody. So they just mock people. We're, we're all capable of it, pride. Well, then pride leads to selfishness. Um, they start using people for their own pleasure and profit. Uh, this is second half of verse four. Are you not children of transgression, the offspring of deceit, who burn with lust under the oaks, under every, uh, among the oaks under every green tree, who slaughter your children in the valleys under the clefts of the rock? What are they doing? Well, in short, the people of Israel were were using people for their own sexual pleasure. They were participating in a fertility cult, a pagan fertility cult, and they, they were using prostitutes kind of whenever they could for two reasons. Number one, sexual pleasure. Number two, because they, they thought that if they did this, they were paying homage to these gods, Baal being one of them, a sexualized god, that if they did that, their crops would grow. So they're, they're literally, they're using prostitutes or, or those who are available for their pleasure and for their profit. And then they're slaughtering their children in the valleys under the clefts of the rock. They are literally sacrificing the good of the next generation for their own profit. You know, sex is intended to, to actually lead us to a selfless, loving life, to love another human being in the covenant of marriage, and then for that union to bring forth children, and for us to love those children, to sacrifice our life for the good of the next generation. We have a sermon series coming up about that, about becoming spiritual mothers and fathers within the church and the covenant of marriage. So listen, they're, they're, they've totally rejected that call. And now they're using the next generation and the weak for their own pleasure, for their own profit. It still happens today. 
It's just cleaner today. It's not as gruesome as this image, but it's still gruesome in God's eyes. So pride leads to selfishness. Then they start degrading themselves. Isaiah talks about, you know, you're going to go down to the valley. You're going to go up to the mountain. You're going to go to kings. You're going to go down even to Sheol, even to hell itself, and you're not going to get tired. You should be getting tired of all of this, but you're not going to be getting tired. You're going to be just going for it and going for it and degrading yourself. And then what comes after pride and then selfishness and degrading? It just ends with, with cover-up. Just cover it all up to look like the good person, which leads to pride, and the cycle continues itself. Verse 11 of Isaiah 57, whom did you dread and fear so that you lied and did not remember me nor lay it to heart? Now, no matter what our cycle of death is or dysfunction is, deceit is almost always a part of it. It's almost all cover up, Covering up sin, covering up brokenness, it's almost always a part. And that's the, oftentimes that's the place where God wants to disrupt the cycle of death and, 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 and expose us so that we can be healed. It's like the doctor that's like, hey, look, you see this x-ray? You see this, uh, this tumor? You see where the fracture is? That's what I want to go for right there. He's not exposing in order to shame us. He's exposing in order to lead us to repentance and healing. He wants to take us through that process because he loves us so much. He wants to heal the fracture. Uh, and that's the second stage of life change, according to Isaiah. So uh, Ken Parker said that after the Charlottesville march, um, he was dehydrated. He had, uh, he had heat stroke. And the reason is that... Um, he said, I drank a Red Bull before the march. I had the clothes on, and then it got hot. After it was declared an unlawful assembly, he and his white nationalist group went into the garage, where they regrouped there, where a, uh, a, docu- uh, uh, a filmmaker who was making a documentary uh, found them and started to interview them and started to, and she, uh, she, she noticed that Ken had sunstroke. And she was like, are you okay? She was like really tender and compassionate with him. And what really got him was, she, was, uh, she had a Middle Eastern background, Middle Eastern ethnicity, which totally threw him off. He was like, she's being so tender with me. She's being so compassionate. She actually cares, but she's of a different nationality. How does that work out? And it started to undo the cycle of death for him, the kindness, the tenderness. That's God's heart for us. God has a kind and tender heart towards you. He looks at you the same way that this filmmaker looked on Ken is like, are you okay? I see, I see that you're burdened. I want to help. Listen to his tender heart in Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. What does this look like for healing? You know, Alice, the Lyft driver that, that we met, um, was, uh, she was at the end of the cycle of death and she was ready to take her own life. She had been using drugs for 17 years 
She had been sexually immoral for a number of those years. And so she was walking towards the train tracks. She was walking towards the train tracks because she was intending to take her own life, step in front of a train. And she was walking through a patch of grass to get to the train. And that's where she heard, unmistakably, the voice of Jesus say, lie down in the grass. Lie down in the grass, Alice. And she knew, and if you've been in dire straits and you've heard the voice of the Lord, you know what it feels like. It's a loving but authoritative voice with tenderness in it. And so what did she do? She stopped walking towards the train and she laid down in the grass. And as she laid down in the grass, she felt overwhelmed with God's love for her, God's kindness for her. She was like baptized from the, from the, the love of God as she laid down in the grass. She just, it was like, okay, here I am. With all my history, with all my weaknesses, with all my pain, and the Lord was like, well, here I am with all my grace and all my healing and all my compassion, and there's a hope for you, and there's a future for you. And that was the beginning of a completely new life for Alice. She found a local church. She showed us the Facebook page of the church that she was like, like a deaconess there. It was so cool. And she's going on and on about, like, about the love of God in her life. How do we climb the mountain and touch the face of God? How do we dwell with the one who is high and lifted up? We lay down in the grass with Alice. We lay down in the grass and confess our sin. We lay down in the grass and say, Lord, here I am. Here's everything I've been trying to hide. Here's all my missed opportunities. Here's all my pain. Here's all my hopes. Here's all my history. Here's all my efforts to justify myself. Here I am. We lie down in the grass. It's a picture of Christian repentance. <laughs> the Lord is right there. The one who is high and lifted up, exalted, gets down in the grass with us, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus went to the lowliest places on earth. He went to hell itself to show God's compassion for us. That's how humble he is. He's so humble, he descended. He didn't say, you know, you're so unclean. You're so immature. You're so, you've got so many issues, and you're dirty, and you're a lost cause. You're kind of like this rejection-worthy person. You've got too many things about you that are like, eh, get away from me. No, he's like, no, come here. Come here, leper. Come here, women with a number of demons. Come here, garrison demoniac. I want to help you. I want to forgive you. I want to love you. He let us make him unclean on purpose. Humility drove him to the cross. It was humility that drove him there. It was tenderness that drove him there. It was compassion that drove him there. He was thinking about us, thinking about us tenderly. He went there for Alice. He went there for Ken Parker. He went there for you and me. And when the father, you know, raised him victorious from death, where did he go? He didn't go, yeah, Roman Empire, I'm the king, and what's up? And no, he went to the discouraged people to encourage them and say, peace be with you, receive the Holy Spirit. The people who are like, oh man, I'm so discouraged, I have no more hope, and he puts his arm around them and says, let me teach you the scriptures and show you that there is hope. And then he breaks bread with them, and we do that this morning to receive his hope. Here's God's vision for us, verse 18 and 19. I have seen his ways, I have seen her ways, but I will heal him, I will heal her. I will lead him and her 
and restore comfort to them and their mourners, creating the fruit of their lips. Peace, peace to the far and in the near, says the Lord, and I will heal him and I will heal her. Do you believe that the Lord still has Ken Parker stories ahead for his church? He does indeed. And he has those stories for our church. That's what it means to be a spiritual beacon. Our walls will be lined with before and after pictures of changed lives. We'll see people exchange habits of death for habits of life, exchanging addictions for the practices of the church, word and sacrament, confession, silence and solitude, exchanging the peace of Christ with those of a different socioeconomic status, loving the poor. We'll see all kinds of new habits being formed in this place. We'll see healing, we've already seen it, healing of relationships, letting go of grudges, healing of marriages, healing of the hearts of the fathers being turned to the hearts of their children, and vice versa. We'll see healing of the mind, exchanging confused thinking for the clear life-giving thinking of the scriptures handed down to us through the church. Healing of the emotions, people getting free of childhood pain rather than repeating it endlessly and growing up into maturity. We'll see people growing into their callings here, going from one stage of, of maturity to the next stage of maturity, along the way rejecting passivity and sin and traps and drifting and growing up to be spiritual fathers and mothers, not only of this church, but of other churches that we will see planted. We started five years ago, and I've already seen lives change at Emmanuel like this. Even this summer, we've seen lives change like this. And I believe that more lives are ahead, more people that God is going, hey, look, I've got my finger on you. I'm watching you. I want you to lay down in the grass. So imagine your life changing, your inner life changing, your outer life changing, being reordered by the living God. We make space here to lay down in the grass at Emmanuel. We make space here to lay down in the grass and receive God's grace. Here's one way that we make space just on Sunday morning, and that's we've got prayer ministers every morning. Maybe there's some missed opportunities that you wanna, you wanna get out there. Maybe, there. maybe there's a cycle of death you wanna confess. Maybe it doesn't matter, big, small, whatever it might be. This is a way to lay down in the grass and go, I need the grace of God. Here's another way that we'll do again today. We did it earlier this summer. You can come down after the service and I or another leader will pray for you as you leave something here at the altar and receive God's grace and be sent out. People have come for all kinds of beautiful things we've seen God do. Even if you're just seeking the face of God, that's a way to lay down in the grass. That's a start. There's other ways. Let's just leave it there, okay? Come here every Sunday that you're here and lay down in the grass, receive the word, receive the sacrament, receive God's grace, and along the way, let him expose and let him heal. He wants to do both because he wants to change your life. And let's pray for all of the changed lives to come, for the next generation and the generation after that, that Emmanuel Anglican Church would be a spiritual beacon church that draw people in who are seeking the life of the church, who are seeking the life of God, the Holy Spirit. Let's be a room Let's be a place where Jesus can walk in and say, peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.